so it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Running Rugby Podcast. That's right, we're back and it's 2020. Back to bring you into a brand new Super Rugby season. And we're back in a time when it's still happy, there's still a lot of hope and we can forget some of the tragedies of last year, failures in the World Cup for for us as Australia and for our teams from New Zealand. But we'll get into that all in a set. Um, today we're just going to be going through the Australian Super Rugby teams, having a bit of a look at what's been happening around the world, and then next week we'll have a look at some of the other Kiwi and South African teams and those conferences before we preview round one. But before we all start, we'll just remind all you guys where you can find us and where you can see a bit more information. We're on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. Search us at Running Rugby Pod at, on Twitter and Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. As well as, obviously, you're listening to us right now, but we're on multiple platforms. You can download us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. But I'm sure you guys are, were hoping. I've got the full complement of brothers in with me. Toby still rocking it up there in the UK in the darkness. Dark, dark times up there. And Leo back over in Australia. How are you, boys? Toby, if you nod, people can't hear you. So you've got to say Yeah, something. no. It's too early, so been, I can't even talk. It's been a long time since he's done this. He's, he's forgotten that podcasts tend to be an audio medium. I can't get up at 6am and it's not light until 8am. And then I go to work and it gets dark at 4pm. So I never see sunlight. It's pretty depressing, actually. Uh, you chose to live in London. You chose this. I'm just so pale now. You realise you realize that you at least work outside, like in the daytime in a building where you have windows, you do get to see the daytime, right? I can see, look, I can see Tower Bridge. I can't complain that much. But You don't live underground. It is the UK, let's yeah, be honest. There's not much time for that. Too much Eaglin rugby chat. Too much Saracens, it's, you know, Salarysons. Mmm, <laughs> Salarysons. I like it. Well, Wollongong is sunny, although dusty and smoky, as everyone would know. Horrible bushfires around. But, uh, we're getting by. It's pretty warm today. Another another tough one for the fireys. Yeah, and shout out to all those firefighters. Been a busy time for them over Christmas. Um, I know ourselves down in the family home were a bit affected by fires, but luckily no serious damage. But good to see that they're getting a little bit of rain back in Australia and a bit of bit of relief. But yeah, it's still still a tough summer ahead. But let's launch straight into a bit of the world news and. Might throw to you, Toby. You mentioned it before, the Saracens salary cap scandal. And sounds like it's going to be a big, big problem for some of these English players. Yeah, mate, I think, look, they've got a star-studded roster. We know that. They've been the one of the most successful teams in Europe over the last 10 years. And now it looks like they won't even be playing Premiership Rugby next year. They're going to get relegated. They've been docked out another set of points. Um, and look, it's... It's not a great situation for them. They're, they're going to really struggle to retain some of their stars. So just who is in the Saracen side, for those of us who aren't as familiar? We've got 
a bunch of English players, but also some international players. You've got Skelton in there, which is a big one for Australian fans. And there was some chat last week that perhaps he could be looking to come back or, or move to another club just because he's he's on pretty good money there. And although he's had a good run with them, he could be one of the guys that potentially may bow out. So you may see him back at the Waratahs sometime soon. It's a challenging thing because the guys that are there that have got these big contracts, it'll be interesting to see how it develops if they do you know, for their own benefit, play it a bit selfish and say, well, I'm not going to be the one who leaves. I've I've got the big contract. I earned this. If they all take that attitude, not only will that make it very difficult for that club to get back under the salary cap for the following season, but that will sow a lot of disharmony amongst players because, you know, egos, uh, paychecks, just that sort of thing. Like who, who's going to take the hit mm. and who's, no one's going to put their hand up for that. They've all, they've all earned... You know, maybe the paychecks, just the fact the club has signed them all, that's the problem. So it could be it could be a bit of a fractious time for the players at a, at a personal level too. So anyone who hangs around might be hanging around with a bit of bad blood or, you know, bad odour about them anyway. Yeah, and Eddie Jones has been worried that there might be a bit of morale problem because he's just getting his English squad together. But obviously teams that have been facing and been getting beaten by the Saracens for several years might be a bit bitter that they've been deprived of some of their success because the club's just been harbouring all the best players just by paying them exorbitant amounts. Do we think that there's there's a bit of detail more around there's five players who have sort of their own um, sort of businesses or companies that have been involved with the owner and those particular players may be um, the ones who draw the most ire because they've gone a, a sort of above and beyond make sure they were looked after. Um, but there's some pretty senior players in that group. Is it the Vunapolas, Farrell? Yeah. yeah. Toje, maybe. Toje. Yeah, Toje. So mm. particularly those guys who who you would think were aware that they needed, you know, they they were earning more than others because they went to that extra length to sign up with the with the owner. And that's a big leadership group in that English team. So, yeah, a lot of potential there for players to feel hard done by, players to feel, you know, like they've been mm. uh, overlooked or, or, you know, others have I taken it's, advantage. It's a bad look for the competition. It's particularly bad look for Saracens themselves. But you've got to wonder at the transparency of this. You know, how much did the players know? Did they have any idea that they could be over the salary cap overall? Was it just the agents in the club mm. actually negotiating that would actually have been discussing this and and you know being innovative with the ways that they are creating certain opportunities to to earn more money for their players but yeah it's, there's a lot of unknowns there and saracens plays they do play their cards pretty close to their chest um they have willingly accepted um the relegation and it may be that they're not going to be playing champions um european champions rugby next year mm. um but you know if they if they're able to retain their spine of of their squad. Um, we do know in the Northern Hemisphere, the squads are far bigger. There's more players on the roster. So, look, the salary cap overall is, is quite large, but they were £2 million, I think, over, yeah. or up to £2 million over for the last three or four years. So it wasn't just a one-off season. This has been going on for a while, and it's it's like the Melbourne Storm, you know. Like, they, they did it maybe in one year, but Saracens have been doing it for the last four or five years. So 
it is pretty yeah with multiple titles on their as part. well coming in those four years so yeah exactly and that's the benefit that's exactly right and you know that's why it seems more unfair i think if they hadn't been mm. doing that well maybe people wouldn't pay as much attention to this but look they've been by far and away the best team in europe for quite a while now and so people are going to stand up and take notice and there's a fair bit of outrage from the other clubs yeah and, I mean, this is all going to come to a head sort of now because Six Nations is just getting squads together to start up in a couple of weeks. Um, I know England, Eddie's taken England down to Portugal um, to try and get a bit of bonding there um, and hopefully make sure there isn't any dis- distrust or unrest within his squad. Um, boys, I know it's early in the season, but give me some uninformed picks on who you think takes away the Six Nations title this year. Look, Arch, there's, there's a fair bit of confidence up here that England can perform well in this Six Nations, but I'd look for Ireland maybe to make a bit of a comeback and improve on some of their performances over the last couple of years. Mm. So I definitely wouldn't be writing them off. And do we think Wales are less competitive while they don't have Gareth Anscombe back back in the fold? But they, they were still fairly strong in the World Cup. They, they weren't going to beat um, the likes of, of South Africa... Yeah, um, but they they went down to France, didn't they? And no, sorry, they beat France. They almost went down to France. That's another team who's fairly competitive and is still a young side that's developing. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I mean, I think if I had to put money on it, I'd still pick England. I think they're going to bounce back reasonably well. Um, but I think France are a little bit, as they always are, a bit of dark horses in this. I think they've they've got a bit more of a solid sort of consistent. Um, line up with some of these younger guys coming through and uh, I reckon they they might show a little bit especially in their opening game versus England in Paris I reckon that's going to be a, a hot one to see I mean England's probably the most settled lineup um, in terms of their starting 15 I'd imagine and they've retained their coach I mean Ireland has moved on um, as well as Wales for their their coaching staff have changed um, big news out of Italy um, number eight Oh, his name now. Didn't get so name. Yeah, he hasn't been hasn't been chosen, <laughs> so he's out of their squad. So there's there's a little bit of a transition yeah. um, throughout the teams. A bit sad to see for him, but he was there for a lot of years. Yeah, very sad. He wanted, and to... he'd been hoping to retire with a home match, didn't he? Yeah, he wanted to finish in Rome. So a bit sad that he won't won't probably get to do that at this stage. Let's move on to the interesting part. This is why you guys listen in, obviously, for Super Rugby takes, our hot takes that are always 100% accurate. I know you're right, boys. Um, and Super Rugby is a bit different <laughs> this year. Earliest start ever, starting in January. First game's on the 31st. We've already had a couple of trials. Um, and no breaks for June internationals or anything. We just go straight through. And before we get into the Australian teams, I believe we're, we're bringing back our tipping comp on Superbro. Isn't that right, Toby? Yeah, that's right. We've got the running rugby um, pod pool on there. So we'll give the details out. Um, you can get onto Superbro. It's a, it's a different platform for tipping. I think it's run out of South Africa, but it's, it's something that we've been doing for the last few years now. And there's there's an extra aspect of actually being able to pick the line on game, so yeah. it does differentiate people a lot more. Yeah, there's always a good shout. So get onto there and see see how you stack up uh, against us professionals and our and our picks. Um, but let's jump into the Australian squads, and we'll start with the Brumbies, the top team from last year. 
obviously making it through the initial round of the playoffs, um, having to travel over to South America and going down to the Haguaros, but still very strong showing for them. Um, Leo, what are you seeing here out of the Brumby squad? So as we'll go into with all the squads, a lot of change. Uh, they've lost some senior players, guys like Sam Carter, Rory Arnold, uh, David Pocock in the forwards. Christian Lelofano's gone. They've also long, uh, lost Farinari Hawera. So Tenza are both out from last season. Uh, and Henry Spate, another senior player, who's moved to the Reds. So they've lost that experience. There's a lot of the leadership group in that in that lost group. So they're going to be developing a new senior leadership team. They've appointed uh, Alan Alatoa as the captain for the season, which I think is a good pick. Good work, Alan. He seems like a... Yeah, he seems like a steady player. He's consistent. He's nice and close to the referee around the set piece. Uh, I don't think he would come into that space with any sort of preconceived um, sort of antagonism to the ref. Like, he doesn't have any previous captaincy history that I'm aware of at this level. So, um, at least that way, he's a a fresh face to them. Um, He's not a bother. He's not a nagger. And yeah, we we talk we'll talk about the rebels. They've got their fullback as their captain. I'd, I'd appreciate that Alan Altoe is a lot close to the action, so that's a positive. Um, and they've picked up a couple of good players. They've got Will Miller from the Waratahs, who we're all be very big fans of. Friend of the podcast, um, Will Miller. That's right. He'd hopefully be trying to lock up that seven spot. He's got some competition from Jerome Brown, Dom Cusack, Pete Samu, Rob Valentini, a very strong back so row many there. Back rows there. Lockie McCaffrey. Um, yeah, so they're, they're not sharing the love there. It's a bit like when they um, when they stole some of the second rower talent last year. But um, look, they're, they're another side that's in development. Um, Dan McKellar still in charge. Didn't didn't take on any uh, assistant roles or anything else anywhere else when they started talking about the Wallabies. I think I think they've got the good core. They've just got to find that new leadership group. They've got to redevelop their playmaker. A combination there at nine ten. A lot of the other players are established, so a good platform. The ex, you know the expected amount of new blood uh, will just be whether they can pick up uh, a good a good fly half, or sorry, when I say pick up, when if they can uh, develop a good fly half between uh, Lalesio and Quenzel, um, the the two young guys who seem to be getting the starts at the moment in the, in the trials. Names that popped up that I saw that I was um, excited to see. You already mentioned, obviously, Alatoa. They've still got Scotty Co there. Um, obviously, they've got, still got Slipper there as well, but they got Shembek Lavui down from the Tars that we really like seeing. Obviously, hit with injury last year, so didn't play a lot. Um, but that's a good bolster to their prop ranks. And they also got Lachlan Lonigan, who was the hooker for the under-20s. And it's probably going to be a recurring theme as we go through these teams, talking about the under-20s. Obviously, had so much success last year. But he was absolutely powerful in sort of open field play, a guy that's all around. And obviously he's he's going to be starting behind Falau Fainga, but look for him to make a big impact off the bench. And the other name is, boys, you heard me say it last year, Isaac Fines, which I reckon is the halfback that was playing at the force, um, showed, showed a lot, a lot of darting, a lot of sort of quick play from him. I reckon he's going to push Joe Power for that in that ninth spot as well. Yeah, I just feel unknowns in there. I mean... It does frustrate me to see me, even though I'm big fans of, say, Will Miller and 
Shambak Lavui never really got a proper opportunity at the Waratahs, and now he's going to be stuck behind Alalatoa. So it's it's a bit frustrating from a Tars fan's perspective that we're losing guys of that caliber. At the same time, Brumbies are known to really nurture talent and, and bring these guys through. So you'd imagine that, look, they're going to improve down there. Um, Dan McKellar is doing good things. And although we had some doubts about him last year, he's really turned it around there. And look, the Brumbies, I think, should be the favorite for this conference. Um, one guy I'd look out for, Solomon Carter on the wing there. I think he's starting in the latest trial. Um, he's going to be a real force there, and he might even push um, someone like Uray Simone in at, at the number 12 spot. So plenty to look out for in that team and a bit of, a bit of young, uh, youth coming through as well, but um, a lot of settled heads there as well. So I think they're going to be a really strong outfit, and as, as always, they're going to be well-drilled. They're going to be precise and mm. I think probably driven through the forwards again with a lot of their play. And they've got quite a friendly schedule. Don't have to go on their South African road trip until I think round 12 or 13. So got a lot of time at home, a lot of home games at GIO, which, you know, they're always going to be strong at. Let's keep going. Uh, And we've got the Rebels up next. Obviously, teams that had so much talent, but it hasn't really delivered on that. And now they have lost a few key pieces. Obviously, Genia going out, Quaid's leaving or haven't left. Adam Coleman in the forwards as well. Um, they've, they've lost quite a few. Jack Maddox. And Jack Maddox mm. to the Tars as well. Um, though they still seem to have a lot of talent in their back line and still a huge amount of flankers, but without a real seven that I can see there as well. Yeah, it's 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 looking a bit shaky for them. I think some would say their window may have closed on making a proper run in, in the finals and making the finals even for one. Like Their type five, I think, is where the questions are. Um, as you said, there's there's a real glut of talent there in the back row, and that's been a problem for this franchise for quite a while now, just having too many guys in certain positions. And, you know, if guys don't get opportunities, they're going to leave. So there's a fair bit of turnover across certain positions in the centres and also back row, but... Look, there are star guys there, but I, I worry that the Rebels have, have probably missed a bit of an opportunity over the last couple of years um, with guys like Genia and Quaid in there, and now these guys are gone. Um, yeah, it's going to be a real test for them. Look, that's true to a point. I, I actually think they're not as poorly placed, maybe, as you guys would say. Um, they've picked up James Tuttle in the halfbacks, and I always thought Tuttle was pretty solid. Uh, and then obviously he's, he's got to find a partnership with Andrew Deegan, who's come across from the Western Force, and Matt Tamu, who's come back from overseas and, and had some time with the Rebels already. So again, as will be a common theme, the fly half or the, the halves combination is a bit of change and a bit of uh, new blood there to, to link up and, and find a combination. I would expect someone like Richard Hardwick is is just going to get the seven start. He's He's the only guy there. Um, maybe Brad Wilkin, who's a who's a, a typical seven. So he's been playing off the bench a lot. He's had a lot of concussions and an injury, which has kept him out. If he can have a, a fresh season, he was a guy who, I don't know, four or five years ago, we were talking about as another guy in that sort of Pocock mold who's seen very aggressive on the ball, uh, very energetic all over the field, making a lot of tackles maybe just needs to adjust the way he goes into contact because he does seem to have a propensity to to get head knocks. Um, I would agree with Toby's comment that the tight five, 
Their front row has always been a bit questionable. They get a lot out of Anaru Rangi. Jordan Lisi's fit again. Some some combination there. We've got to pick one to to start. Their front row's always been somewhat patchy, uh, and there's been a bit of turnover there too. So they really need to develop that tight five. I expect we'll see Matt Phillip and probably Ross Hale at Petty starting initially, and, and we did have some questions over Ross Hale at Petty as a second rower last year. He sort of mixed in around number six, number five. Mm. Um, not sure how that'll go. If they can straighten that up, the back row, the back line, sorry, as you said, still very strong. It was overpopulated last year. They couldn't actually make use of all the talent they had. So losing Wilgenia and Quade Cooper is is a big loss. But if and Michael Ruru, I should say as well. But if James Tuttle can link in with these two potential tens, now they've finally got the space to have Tom English, Reese Hodge, Billy Meeks, um, Cora Beatty, Dane Halapetti. They can they can get all those guys on the field and still have the quality of some new players like. Uh, Harry Potter, who's, who's come up from Melbourne Rising, but is a, a solid Sydney player. Harry Potter would know about. Bless He's my a soul. Player. It's Harry Potter. Saw him, your, saw him playing in the your, in the shoot shield last year. He actually He's looks like Harry Potter as well. Who's a, a big unit? Ah, oh, <laughs> put glasses on anyone. You can make them look like <laughs> Harry Potter. Isn't that true, boys? Yeah, according I, to Leo yeah. and his Bucks party, that I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Two you guys. Andrew Kellaway and Campbell Magnate. I was just going to say, I think Kellaway, Kellaway, yeah. this is a big opportunity for him after yeah, being absolutely. away for a couple of years. The, then they've they've been players with great potential. We haven't seen them consistently. They haven't really broken into the starting lineup consistently. They've been that first or second man up when there's been an injury. So room for them to come off the bench, impress. Um, they're still stuck behind some players, but at least they're stuck behind senior uh, experienced players who they can learn from, Tom English, Reese Hodge, Billy Meeks, Matt Tamua, Dane Halepetti. Like, this is still a team with a lot of quality. The tight five needs to gel. They need to get a lot out of some relative no names in the front mm. row, particularly. Uh, if they find their way early, maybe some maybe some smaller heads and some lower expectations will do good for this team. Yeah, I think it, it depends as well if um, Dave Vessels continues with his sort of tactic of that really flat play, because that really depends on having that go forward in the forwards and those big guys making metres. I mean, you've got Izzy Nicerani, you know he's going to make metres. Matt Phillip was really good at doing that as well. And it's, yeah, as you said, people like Luke Jones, Ross Haylett Petty, if they can stand up and do the same, um, then, then they may have some success. But I, d- I don't know if James Tuttle's guaranteed number nine, though. No, I would say that Frank Lamani's going to get it, Arch. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. I, I think Tuttle's pretty reasonable, but Lamani probably has that extra extra bit of... I reckon Wessels will like um, what Lamani will do. Obviously, coming from the hmm. Fijian background, from the Drua, he's going to be up for that really fast-paced, really quick ball pace, and I reckon that's going to suit Vessels' sort of game plan a bit more. I mean, his passing will need to be on point, but he, he may have more of a similar game to, say, Will Gania. Um I think the the flat playing that flat is really going to depend a lot on Tamua though. Can he handle it? Can he can yeah. he work within that small amount of space? We know that Quaid was kind of thriving in that initially, mm. and then it fell off towards the midpoint of the year. Towards the end of the year, it wasn't working as well. Um, so we've seen certain opinions of Vessels change um, over his tenure, um, but yeah, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how they go. I think part of the drop-off last year as well, they did bring that very abrupt flat style 
and teams adjusted. They adjusted mid-season, and one comment we were making was the Rebels didn't adjust yeah. as, a, as a counter. So they continued to play a flat game when they were getting a fast defensive line coming up in their face. There was a lot of loose ball, and teams capitalized on the 50-50s and, and ran away with it. So that's something which, you know, you've got your plan A, you want to play a certain style, but you can't just bluntly do that to a team that's countering it well. You need to have a backup plan, and everyone needs to be comfortable and understanding what that plan is so that you can transition into it and people aren't caught out of place and passes go to ground because that's just more 50-50 opportunities for the other team. RBT means you need a plan B. That's, That's what I always say. You have always said that. Such a responsible driver. RBT stands for Rebels Battling to Score. All right, let's just move on from that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. You'll, you'll edit that out. Won't you? Don't do that again. You'll edit that out. Oh, might have to. You've got um, let's, let's go. Let's go to the Reds then. And Leo continues to be a favourite. I know for a fact he got a very special Christmas present with uh, some Reds memorabilia, the Indigenous uh, training T-shirt. Um, so Leo, this is your favourite. I think. What you're tipping the Reds to come out on top of this conference? Look, I'm I'm going to put my put my statement out there early. Toby's already said that he believes the Brumbies will be top of the conference. Not sure where Archie's sitting, if he's still an under, undercover Rebels fan or if he's he's bailed out of that sinking ship, which I didn't think sinking, but he obviously does. <laughs> uh, the Reds are my tip. The Reds have maintained the core of their squad. They've lost very few players who were in the starting lineup last year. Uh, they have continued on with the coaching staff. They've had a little bit of turnover there. I think the assistants have turned over, but they've got some some good new assistants in there. They've lost some guys to sort of development programs and other um, support teams in the Queensland system. But ultimately, the core of this team is still there, and they've added a bit of experience. Uh, guys like James O'Connor and Henry Spate. Uh, they've also... Yeah, they just haven't shed that many starting players. They've lost one of the Smith brothers from the front row, uh, Scott Higginbotham's moved to the UK. Caleb Timu, who'd kind of fallen out of the starting lineup and even really the, the broader starting squad, uh, he's also gone to the UK. Uh, names like Korchik and Tuttle, um, even Matt McGann we saw a little bit of last year. All those guys, uh, Duncan Power, all gone. And, of course, the biggest name of all, Samu Karevi, to go across to Japan. Um, but amongst all that, like I said, they picked up James O'Connor. They've got this backbone of this squad which was the Queensland under-20s, it was Queensland um, NRC side, the countryside. There's so much potential in this group, and I think they were really starting to find their feet last year. Um, that There's just massive opportunity for these guys. They've added guys like Fraser McWright, under-20s captain, as a, a number seven mm-hmm. in that side. Um, just, just so I'm, I'm really excited for some big things out of this team. I think they're absolutely primed for a big season. I don't think Brad, Brad Thorne's feeling as much pressure. I don't feel like I've read an immense amount of expectation on the Reds. I think people are still saying they're young. Brad Thorne's a young coach. Um, they're still developing their style. But I, I actually think they're a bit more mature than maybe they're getting credit for. And I think we'll see that this season. Yeah, I'd, look, I'd probably agree with you that they could top the conference if Karevi was still there. I just think he's such a big loss. And I know that O'Connor can can possibly slot in there at 12 in his place, but I just don't see don't him think having he will? the same impact. 
I mean, he could. I, I don't think that the number 10 position is out of the question either. Um, Hamish Stewart still hasn't proved himself. Hegarty, does Isaac he play Lucas, 10? Man. Does he play Isaac 15? Lucas gonna be 10. Yeah, I really like the look of Isaac Lucas as well. But is he a 10? Is he a 15 as well? Like, there's a few guys that haven't mm. quite found their spot in the team. The back line, the makeup of that back line is going to be very interesting. But there is talent there. Um, but I think it's, again, the forwards is where they're going to be really powerful, really dynamic. Um, and they've got some guys fighting for places. You mentioned Fraser McWright, really talented, number seven, slightly on the small side. And then you've got a bigger version in Liam Wright, who's established himself in a you know, genuine try score as well in spate. Like, he's he's not too old yet. He's still got some, some tries in him, I'd say. We just won't be taking defensive tips off him. Yeah, just stop coming off your wing, mate. Jeez. So hard to... Let's move on. Um, We've got the Waratahs, the one team in the um, Australian... Yeah, boy. In the Australian conference, or of the Australian teams that have got a new coach. They've got the Penny Pincher himself, Rob Penny, come across from um, the Japan, the Toyota Industries team. Um, And this is a bit of a new look team. Again, big influence from the under-20s. They have lost some people, especially in the front row. We mentioned Shambhut... We mentioned Shebek Lavui, um, Sakopi Kepu, who's also gone there. Tolu Lat, who's gone. Um, won't have that injection of Tadafu Pilot now for a couple of games in the mid-season. And, boys, it's disappointing. They've, they've lost their South African import. I mean, LaRue Roets, he, he was such a big deal for them last year. What an massive absolute deal. pleb. <laughs> massive, massive pre-season hype and did not play. He spent more time getting baptised in Israel Folau's pool than on the field. Oh. Controversial. <laughs> I've, I've forgotten that name existed. I'm kind of sick of the Tars recruiting these, these guys, not even really giving them a proper run. Um, he, may have, he must have just not impressed at all at training if he couldn't even really get a, a run on game day. So, look, I, I'm liking the look of the Tars squad overall in terms of the youth, but it is really a transitional year for them, I think. One thing that I can see, just we tend to refer to the the sort of um, transfers in and out as a summary. Show me, aside from probably Jack Maddox, I guess, I can't see anyone that the Waratahs have sort of cherry-picked out of the Wallaby squad who is available uh, and brought in for a year, where they've been so, in the, in the past, have been so dependent on, oh, we've brought in all these great mm. young Wallabies guys who've just made the squad. And the sort of it seems like they weren't developing talent; they were kind of poaching it, bringing it in. I'm not mm. seeing that this year, and I'm hoping that that's transition to a more development-oriented uh, approach. Unless perhaps maybe they just had that many of the under 20s guys pre-signed and they're already there. Maybe that's I what think, they did all their recruitment. I think they're taking a, a leaf out of the Reds book, to be honest. Um, Which I appreciate bringing these guys through from from both locally and particularly from the under 20s. Mm. Um, and that's the benefit of having these kind of rugby nurseries within Queensland and New South Wales. You can get these guys early on. They're still living at home. You know, they're familiar with their surroundings, so they do want to stay in places like Sydney and Brisbane. So it's an attractive place to go if you give them the opportunity. Um, but, look, we can't forget they've still got someone like Jack Maddox who's coming in, big name, um, and another guy. We've always got to have a league guy every year. You've got Tepe Mayoroa from the from the Eels who formerly was a schoolboy rugby player, and he's back in the in the right code. So be interesting to see what he can do in the midfield there for the, for the Waratahs because he's a big body as well, playing in the second 
Rowan League. So he's a he's a big ball carrier. And once again, we have this question over the fly halves, and really, it's four new fly half options really for all the Australian teams. Um, all the incumbents are really not quite there. So you obviously had Bernard Foley leaving as well as Nick Fibbs. So that nine ten um, combination again is going to change. And we saw Mac Mason got the initial start in the trial. Um, and then they've got these two under-20s players, Will Harrison, Ben Donaldson, both showed a lot in the under-20s World Cup. And I've got to say, Will Harrison looked pretty good in the parts of the trial game I saw um, when the Tars took on the Highlanders last week. Mm. Yeah, it's look, I feel a bit sorry for Mac Mason, to be honest. He really lost his confidence after that Sunwolves game last year. And look, he's had to rebuild himself a little bit. Um, I think he may get the first crack at the starting job there. But, again, the pressure is going to be on. Someone so talented like Will Harrison behind you, you could see a few bad games and, and there could be a change there. And one other young guy that actually caused a bit of a storm in that uh, trial game as well, the the young fullback, 19-year-old from the under-20s. And I just want to... I just want to see what my fellow podcast members can can make of his last name. Can you pronounce Mark's last name for us? Uh, Toby, have a go, mate. No one enough. No, jeez, I stuffed it up. <laughs> I was practicing before the podcast. I can't do it. No one enough. That's close. That's close. I think that's close. Leo, that's my turn. No one enough. Oh, that sounds a bit better than me, but I still I think it's wrong still, right? I think so. It's got, it got, it's got some G in it. But I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert in it. But it's what the is it? No, no, no wanga. It's the Q is yeah, pronounced more no like a G. No wanga ni tawase. No wanga ni tawase. Yeah. No wanga ni tawase. Yeah. But I think, I think yeah, he'll just go now. as Mark, won't he? He just goes as one name. He's like, Marky yeah, Mark. just Mark. Marky Mark. Bring, bring up the rest of the funky bunch up there in Sydney this, this year. He's had some big raps on him, like I think during the week. Um, Kurtley was even comparing him to Israel Falau in terms of the way he played. And... <laughs> I like. Yeah, we don't know. I keep hearing that name. I'm Can't glad remember. you qualify that in the way he plays. In the way he plays on the field, not what he says off the field. Let's <laughs> let's make that clear. Yeah. He's dynamic in the air. He's a big body, tall guy, um, pretty rangy, and got a lot of pace about him. So. Um, you know, genuine try score again. So it's good to see someone of that age really coming through and he's, he's potentially going to get a starting wing spot. Yeah, another young, exciting player. Like, and, and the Waratahs, with this development angle or the, the investment in the youth, I'd, I would really like to see them uh, given the right opportunities, not rushed in too quickly, but just, just brought in gradually. Um, I don't know a lot about Rob Penny, but... He's got to be better than Daryl Gibson, doesn't he? I didn't feel like we got anything out of Daryl Gibson, unfortunately. Um, He's another just, Kiwi. There oh, seems to be I won't hold that a fair amount him. of them floating around in um, the Australian coaching ranks at the moment. But look, give him a chance, I think. Look, he's gonna. it's going to be a tough year, I think. But at the same time, I think even someone like Jack Maddox coming to that back line has really helped. I was a bit worried about their depth, but... Having a look at it now, I'm probably less concerned than I was um, towards the end of last year. I think it's yeah. possibly coming together better than I expected. Well, well imagine those halves gel, mm, and you get. Yeah. We think. Do we, we think, think Kurt is going to play at 15? It will start I'd the year at 15. So. 
And you've still got people like Carmichael Hunt in there at 12 to back up whoever you're starting at 10, which is helpful. You've got the sort of steady heads of like Cam Clark or Alec Newsom around as well that are quite stabilising, good in defence. Alex on the wing. Mm. Yeah. So there's plenty of talent there, known talent. They just need to find their way together. Um, What kind of style do you want to see out of this team? Because the Waratahs, I haven't felt like they had a real style. They felt a bit passive. They played fairly deep, but without a lot of really hard ball running. They didn't have Karevi types in their in their side to really hit the ball hard. It was more get the ball into space and hope people like Foley and Beal could link. Maybe maybe that guy, I can't remember the name of, does something special out on the wing where he belonged. Um, you know, that's that, that just felt like a very, oh, we'll kind of just chuck it to talented players who we've mm. bought and just let them do their thing. It didn't feel like a, a formal strategy, whereas... I'm hoping we see a bit more of that because I think these guys will work well with a with a framework at Newsom and Clark running some hard lines. Carmichael Hunt obviously should be leading that charge. He's he's the crash ball, um, but who can also offload or throw that little flat ball as he comes into contact. Um, I want to see them playing more more abrasive, more more flat, um, but running hard and straight when they're the ball carrier, not just floating it out the back and hoping yeah. the space will do the work for them. Well, I'm, I'm really excited from... And if you have time, go and look up the trial highlights because you see the impact some of these under-20s players have. And even people like Angus Bell, the loose head prop um, coming in, and he's, he's a big guy, but he's got good hands, not afraid to throw that offload. And they've got a couple of those guys um, in through their sort of team now that aren't afraid to take on a little bit of something different, whether that's Will Harris playing down there at, at maybe a, a number eight at some point, or, you, or you've or you got people like Michael McDonald, who was the under-20s fly half, and obviously um, Will Harrison, Ben Donaldson, even um, Walton, Joey Walton, who a uh, potential centre as well. And you saw in the trial game, they link up for an absolutely superb try with half these guys throwing these out-the-back passes, and they're just supporting each other. So if they can get that sort of mindset of, look, we're going to go forward, we're going to keep it tight when we need to, we're going to throw some of those passes and trust ourselves that if they don't come off, we have the defense to try and stop the counter attack. And my, my concerns lie around the, the makeup of that type five. Again, I still think we're a little bit thin there. The back row looks really good. I think there's plenty of talent going around. Even someone like Pat Tarr for a number eight, they've been looking at for quite a while. Um, you never know whether Jed goes back into that role as well um, or he stays in the second row. They may actually need him in the second row given the, the probably yeah, the so lack of depth there. Mm-hmm. But you've got Hooper, you, you know, you've got Dempsey, you've got Hannigan, um, you've got Lachlan Swinton. These guys are, are great back rowers, abrasive back rowers, very aggressive. Um, but look, the tight five I'm still not sold on and that could be... You know, that could play up, or bring up issues, I guess, with the, the way that the back line plays, how flat they can play, the amount of front football they get. Um, look, if they can address those problems, um, I'll be confident that they can unleash some of these really talented guys out the back, guys like Jack Maddox, obviously, Curtly Bill. Um, but I'm not sold still on this front, this tight five. I think the Brumbies is, you know, we need that sort of platform to work off. Mm. Um, the Reds seem to be building that. The Brumbies have had it for a number of years. Um, even the Rebels at times, I think that could be their problem as well. The type five, so back row strong, 
part five, not so much. So that's that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I've got faith in Damien Fitzpatrick. He'll be a oh. he'll be a rock <laughs> for those for those props to cling to. Underrated, yeah. great line out skills, um, great all around all all around the field player, good he, contributor. He's built That's like a rope. Rap. Did you um did you manage to send those flowers and chocolates to Damien Fitzpatrick for Christmas, Leo? I know I know you're excited to to get him some some presents, show him that you're still thinking about him in the off season. Mate, I would never ever send him chocolates. He's got a preseason to focus on. Oh, and he doesn't need yeah, that. He could, he could he use the weight. Setback. He protein could use balls, it. Protein balls. I need good weight. Yeah. <clears throat> Look, I think but interesting. The appreciated. He's been talking up his commitment to still trying to get that Wallabies opportunity, and you know it's probably more open than it has been for a wild hooker um, with some of the departures. But Leo, I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie Abel actually starts in this first game. We'll have to see. That'll be Ooh. it's another position up for grabs, I think. Oh, he's absolutely got to earn it. I, I don't think Robbie Abel comes in with the finest form. Like he's coming in off as the third string, really, from the Rebels with a with a healthy Ulysses. So, uh, sure, he's, it's an opportunity for him. He's I, I would expect him and Fitzpatrick are probably the two in in the in the playing side in the game day side. I think Fitzpatrick earned it last year. I, I was disappointed that someone in such good form didn't get some sort of nod and and acknowledgement. Um, even if he didn't make the squad for the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, he was consistent, and his line-out throwing is fantastic. Um, yeah. And he was but, in the top top of the yeah. league in tackles and things. Obviously, just works very hard around the field mm. in those sort of small, small areas that you may not see so much of. Yeah, his work rate's outstanding and similar to Hooper in that way and been relatively durable in the last 12 months or so. So we hope that continues for him, obviously, and... Hopefully, he can build upon a, a pretty strong 2019. And one last thing, which some it sort of spans a bit of all the squads, being the amount of uh, under 20s influence and, and intake that's probably going to come into these game day squads. A really young, humble group that have had success, but they don't seem like the the showy um, glamour talent that maybe 10 years ago people were most focused on. Like when we had the young Quaid, Kirtley. James O'Connor types coming through and everyone was, you know, it was articles in the paper all the time and p- people on posters before they'd really done that much. There's a young group of humble guys. that The Waratahs seem like a much more humble group just on the names. Like, Tatera Faulkner is a contributor. He's never been the headline front rower for a Wallabies or, or even even potentially his, his province. He's been a contributor. I think if that type of attitude soaks in like the 20s already have it mm-hmm. some of these guys without you know guys who would have assumed that they're established and, and irreplaceable maybe the Foley's and Phipps's I think it's a good opportunity for the Waratahs to reset at a cultural level um, Carmichael Hunt redemption stories come in and put in the hard work all that sort of stuff adds to you know hopefully a, a much more balanced approach and guys who don't have a huge amount of expectation mm-hmm. already built up on them yeah, and that I think that is reflected in these young guys, as well as some of the guys that have been there. People like Tom Robinson and Harry Johnson Holmes are obviously just good blokes that work hard and toilers. Yeah, put their heart out there on the field for the team. So, yeah, definitely a bit of a change in change in sort of the Waratahs ethos. I think we're seeing there, which is which is a good thing. 
Now, I think mm, we're definitely. obligated to mention the Sunwolves uh, at some point today, so let's do it now. Um, it's a team that obviously has an expiry date. They know that they're not long for this competition, and it reflects in their squad. Like, they've absolutely Jeez, been I haven't stripped. looked at this. They've absolutely been yeah, stripped and gutted, it looks like. Um, pretty much minimal, if any, Japanese players really remaining in this squad. Definitely none of the big names that we see. And it really looks like what they've done is pulled out a bunch of prospect players from New Zealand and are giving them a go in Super Rugby. So a huge amount this of is, Kiwis. This is nasty, man. It's, it's, they have Alex Horan. It's not going to be pretty. Yep. So, they have Jordan Jackson Hope. JJ Engelbrecht. Yeah, it's probably their best player. They might be their best players. Yeah. That is lit, like Ben Teo, maybe their best player. Yeah, exactly. This so is... a, a diff, lot of different names. You've got Jake Schatz coming back over from the London Irish, a former Reds player, but it's really, it's, it is a bit of a dire situation looking what, at these guys. What is the saddest thing about this is that they were building something there. And uh, look, I think the World Cup had a bit to do with it in terms of um, really showcasing what Japan has to offer. But now, with the, this news that they're not going to be around this year, I feel like they're barely going to be able to win a game. And that's just going to... It's going to make it look like it's the right decision for them to be kicked out. But when, yeah. you know, this, this decision has actually right. caused this roster rot that they've got going on, it's terrible. It's, it's a yeah, really... It, absolutely. In hindsight, it will look like, oh, and see, they were terrible in their last season. And, and that where they were headed, the trajectory was amazing. And look at where most of the guys have gone. They've all just dropped back into top the Japanese top system, yeah. the top league, because that, that's where, you know, there's probably good money and there's, you know, they'll probably rather the consistency of playing in that league all the time than Sunwolves traveling all over the world and just getting belted up because they're at half or quarter strength. Yeah. This, this is a year to get your, get your betting login sorted yeah. and put some money... Put well, wooden spoon and just multi as many of these games as as losses yeah. as you can into saying because yeah. unfortunately it's going to be a yeah it's going to be a really really or oh, just devastating season so, for for this team. I, I can't see it going well. So the over under at one and a half wins. What do you reckon, boys? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll struggle to get two wins. I go under. Yeah. Ooh, bold. yeah. I think they'll they'll it's, get yeah. one to pull out some game against sort of an understrength sort of South African team at home or it's usually when the Blues go up to Tokyo or something they'll they'll pull out some game but yeah it's hard to see two of those recurring um, in this season which is yeah, it's a bit of a sad note to see for what was such an exciting team last year under the guidance of um, Tony Brown who's also left and yeah your your big excitement machines and even like. People that we were so excited about seeing, like um, their big number eight, the Australian Raboni Warren Vossiatho, who we were hoping we might see come back to Australia. He's just gone back to um, the top league and it may be a prospect that we just don't get to see again. I'd like to just make mention as well that the top league is absolutely flying over there. Like they've got probably the strongest rosters they've ever had. There's such an influx of, you know, guys in their prime from New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, even the Northern Hemisphere as well. Like, there's a massive influx into Japan, particularly after the World Cup. 
Um, and there's a lot of money flying around in that domestic league. So, look, the interest is there. The money is there. It's just siphoning that in the right direction and actually, you know, making a team in Super Rugby viable. But because at the moment it's it's almost at odds with the top league and so the owners of the top league, a lot of these industries involved with the top league, do not want any part of the Sunwolves and they're all about the national team and they're all about their domestic league and the Sunwolves get kind of caught in the middle. Um, so yeah. it's a, it, it is a sad sight to see and we wish them well. I, I just don't, looking on paper, that just looks really, really, yeah, really grim for them and mm. um, let's hope they can pull some wins together. But I, yeah, it, it just looks looks not good at all and 2021, they, they're probably going to be gone. Yeah, you can't, you can't imagine with the strength of their top league and the interest in the country that there won't be some sort of resurgence of a of a Japanese side or sides in a an international competition, not not as the international side, but this super rugby style in in years to come. Like it might not be it's not gonna be twenty twenty one. Maybe maybe it'll rugby. swing back. Yeah, well maybe that's the avenue. But it just feels like that they've built the base that actually got the momentum and they couldn't make it work in the super sense. It's gonna come back and Unfortunately, it's probably just going to be like a four-year setback for for their exposure, and maybe that influences the national team. I don't know. It just felt like they had so much momentum last year. You can imagine how positive we would have been this year if they'd maintained their squad, picked up a few other people. Um, it's really just the travel that makes it very difficult for them. And and oh, I guess, actually, yeah. I said, those other influences, those other influences in in the country itself. If the owners and the also, team, I mean, also in this. Blame South Africa because they were the ones that were instigating the fact of you know get trying to get the Sunwolves out of the competition. They didn't want to travel up to Tokyo to play them. They you know they made a commitment to playing in Singapore, which you know was drawing barely any fans and just disrupting the Sunwolves campaign. And so now it's you know it's really come to an end for them. And I think South Africa has a big you know part to play in that, which is a real shame. Mm. Yeah. So. One final question before we sign off on this Australian conference. Um, we've briefly sort of talked about some of these coaches. Which coach do you think is under the most pressure to perform in 2020? Dave Wessels. Yeah, in the Australian conference, I'd definitely say I'd agree with that. Dave Wessels, you know, such a well-regarded coach, um, particularly, say, two years ago. Lost a bit of the faith last year, and I think he'd be a bit under the pump if, the Rebels don't perform at the level that people are expecting. Um, look, I think last year they had higher expectations, but still Vessels needs to, to get some wins on the board and perhaps get into the final. So it's it's going to be a tough year for him. Rob Penny, I think, probably a bit of leeway there with the Tars. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think Brad Thorne might actually be, if they, like, and I didn't mention this before, but the Reds start off with three home games, including going to South Africa weeks two and three before they get a... I mean, they start off with three away games, not getting a home game to week four, um, going to South Africa in those first couple of weeks again. So big travel. If they start out slow, Brad Thorne has had a lot of leeway building this team. And I mean, it's been very obvious that he is trying to build from grassroots up through the sort of system up there in Queensland. But I think if they aren't looking like they're topping the conference, I think there'll be quite a few... Queensland fans that will be asking what what's this all been building for because they obviously have the personnel and the systems in place now. And he's definitely stepped on some people's toes along the way and 
doing, you know, really, you know, putting his system in place. Like he, yeah. he hasn't taken any prisoners there. He's, he's upset people. Um, but for now, you're right. He has kind of had that real leeway that, that faith put in him. But that has to end at some point if the success doesn't come. So I guess in that respect, look, if they start up, start out zero and three and then they start losing at Suncorp, there could be some issues too. I think if you lose, you know, if you start the season first six games and you've won two, any coach, no matter who it is, would be under pressure. I think if anything, the three games away, if they did start 0-3, he would get some grace saying, well, that was that was a tough start. Now you've got to settle back in at home. You've got a young side. Um, I actually think Brad Thorne has a, a deeper um, kind of, this is probably a deeper belief in him because of what he's done with a no-name group. He's brought them into uh, contention, you know, week to week. He might not have yet got them to world beaters, but you can see his process. You can see the progress. Whereas I feel like Wessels has much more, you know, he started with a great squad. He built that even further. He was, you know, he had so much talent, he couldn't even get them all in the 23. And the the thing that seems to have borne out of that without a whole lot of injuries, without a whole lot of disruption, was simply that they had a plan A and they were dominant early in the season and they had nothing else. It was a bit of a, a one-trick pony once it was figured out. Didn't have a lot of um, complexity beyond plan A. So mm. that's where I think people will lose faith. If they see the same product come out again and teams know how to counter it and there's nothing else emerging from his side that's going to just indicate that Wessels doesn't have another plan. Whereas I feel like Thorne has just built such a good foundation. Um, they're always in games. They lost close games last year. They almost beat the, was it the Crusaders at home? Yeah. Or they, they were really competitive all the way along at times when they weren't expected to be. And I think the, the lag on that expectation um, is still maybe half a season behind. So, where late last season they were being really competitive and no one thought that, yeah, away games in Christchurch would come to anything. I think that expectation is still lagging a bit. I haven't heard it the preseason. It's a very early season start. Maybe there hasn't been enough time for it to develop. Um, I think mid-season, if they're in and around the middle of the Australian Conference, you know, two, three wins behind, I don't think anyone's going to be panicking. Um, maybe at the end of the season, if they fall and become the worst in the Australian Conference, people will be saying, you know, three seasons, you Four. actually aren't. They, really? they technically oh, can't sorry. just get to worse in the Australian Conference without some Wolves team. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's I mean. that's going to do them a few favours. That's worse a couple the Australian of wins right teams. there, right? Yeah, that's it. That, that's <laughs> yeah. actually going to prop them up. But, but, but even so, I, I think people will will recognise that and they'll go, you know, what have you really done? There's been a lot of close losses, and yeah, you know, exactly. why why do you keep losing close games? But that's still better than just getting flogged or being really inconsistent and having. Mm-hmm obvious de- deficiencies in your plan when other teams come and figure you out. The problem is he, he is largely, their fast starters, they're consistent at the beginning of the season and they're consistently bad after that. After the midpoint, it seems like you're saying teams work them out. That's right. Um, and look, I think they had the most talent they've ever had last year. That's fallen away a bit. So in in that sense, the, the pressure maybe is lifted a little bit on Vessels just because his roster isn't as strong, but Still given he's been strong. there for a few years, yeah, I think it's it's time for them to perform or probably move on from him. And um, he's had some control over that roster change too. So yeah, he may have so. lost guys, but, you know, 
he's he's had to counter that and do some recruitment. So yes, the roster's changed. It's not like that was out of his control. And the the basis of this Rebels franchise is that they need to perform in Melbourne. They need to be successful to get attention. We've seen that in league. The Storm have been successful for you know a couple of decades and. And that, that has the ability to, to really flourish down there if you are successful as a franchise. So I really do hope they do well. But, yeah, it's 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 going to be a tough year, I think, for the Rebels, as we've kind of talked about. Um, see if Vessels gets out of it alive. I can hear a baby in the background and I can see a bit of sunlight coming in for Toby. So that sounds like that's probably all we have time for today. That's first podcast of the year, boys. Done and dusted. Feeling good. Continue on. Four-year cycle starts again. That's it. Let's keep moving, keep working. But obviously, we'll be be back to preview some of the other teams, uh, those Kiwi teams, that there's a lot of changes going on over there as well. And South Africa, obviously, the world champions wanting to come in and show a little bit more for Super Rugby, as well as the teams like the Haguaris that are going to continue to be strong, it looks like. But we'll bring all that to you as well as a bit of a preview of round one next week. Uh, so make sure to tune back into that. And as we said before, make sure you get onto Super Brew and uh, join the tipping pool. Obviously only a week and a half until we get some round one action going there. So make sure to get onto that. And remember to sign up and like to our Instagram pages as well because you'll, you'll see a lot of more information and stuff coming through them. Yeah, and we'll post the details of how to join that that tipping competition on on our social media so keep an eye out for that all right boys it feels good to be back back talking rugby we've got a bit of hope in our hearts again with the start of the 2020 season super rugby is going to be back and it's going to be better than ever good to see you boys and we'll be back next week keep on running run Nawaka Tadasi. Nawaka come from my cookies. Nawaka, where's my car, bro? Not me. Nawanga Nitawasi. Nawanga Nitawasi. It's actually easier to say once you get it in your head without the word trying to read it. Nawanga Nitawasi.